Welcome to The Catch-Up, a podcast where we bridge psychology, linguistics, and mythology to provide communication tools that fit your mind. I'm Neil. And I'm Melissa. I'm a linguist and author with a concentration in discourse analysis. I also study and write about applied mythology and its effects on our ability to relate to ourselves and others. And I have 10 plus years of experience in the field of psychotherapy. I write about the myths we all have in our mind and their effects on our everyday behavior. This podcast brings together our respective fields so we can see what goes on in our minds, both socially and personally, so we can have the tools to communicate our way through any experience with understanding. Be sure to head over to patreon.com slash meal, M-E-I-L, or meal.podbean.com to check out our patron programs and view the patron tiers. For just $4 a month, you'll become a top-tier supporter and gain access to all of our current and future bonus episodes and content. Thank you so much for your support. Now let's catch up. Oh boy, big topic today, power and control. What is it? How do we work with it? And how can we evolve it in our conversations? And I think we do have to talk about power and control when we talk about uncomfortable conversations, because a lot of times when you're uncomfortable, there will be the perception that you are taking up too much space with your ideas because it's an uncomfortable topic, or there will be a perception that the other person or persons will be taking up all the space with their ideas because you're uncomfortable and you disagree somehow. So power and control is absolutely important because it's a give and take process in any conversation, but it especially needs to be prevalent, that give and take in these uncomfortable conversations. So let's start out with a little analogy on that. Think of your power and control template. Let's refer to it as kind of a fingerprint. You're born with a template in your physiology already, and that evolves over time depending on your experiences. So we use words like suppression, oppression, or we find that people are in too much control. They're overzealous with their um, power, so to speak. And so what we try to do, obviously, is find that right balance that keeps us in a zone of congruence with our true self, ideal self, and helping other people find that ideal self, too, so that they're not in too much power and control, because it's not good for them either. So I've heard Neil describe power within conversation as the amount of say anyone has in any given conversation. And I think that's a really important way of looking at it, because If you don't feel like you have power, you won't feel like you have say in the particular topic that's being discussed. Same with the other person, being aware of how much say they feel like they have in the trajectory of the conversation, in the topic at hand, and comfort levels within the discussion. Think of the phrase, knowledge is power. Is it really? At this point, we have so much knowledge. Um, We understand things on a level that... A lot of generations didn't before, but at the same time, we understand it the same as some generations before us. I think we have one of the most meta-minded generations coming up right now, those who were born after the internet was started. And so we have to understand that while knowledge is power, it doesn't mean you have power. It means you need to effectively have influence over the circumstance so that you can create a healthy amount of power, a healthy amount of control, so that we're evolving forward instead of revolving old ways. And I do think knowledge is power means 
something or it says something about self-power you know you you grow as a person when you have more knowledge when you understand things better when you have more awareness of things that's self-growth but also what we're seeing now with the internet is people can look up anything uh, at any time and interpret it in their own way and then say they have facts on this and present themselves as experts. We're seeing it all the time. And while I think it's wonderful to have discussions and opinions about a lot of things, there are reasons why we have specialists and why we have experts and scientists and people who spend years dedicating their brain to studying these topics. So knowledge can be power, but understanding, I think, is a greater power. And understanding power dynamics within conversations so that it can be a given, uh, a give and take process within the conversation is absolutely vital. Absolutely. And just look at the word understanding. It kind of implies that you're, you're grasping something, you're underneath it, you're able to catch it, toss it around. But I think some people over interpret things or they look into things too far they get too close to it we talk about not being able to maintain perspective so what we have to be able to do is understand we are always seeking understanding so we can stay in a groove and so we don't lose our balance we've talked in past episodes about that level inside i think that's an indicator of what you can do better and make sure you're both being a generalist and a specialist in your own way, at the same time understanding a lot of people sometimes are overzealous with how specialized they are or overzealous with how general they're being. We're all just trying to communicate our intuitions, really, most of the time. So I think the first step to understanding power and control in a conversation is to be able to recognize power dynamics between people in a discussion and how it presents itself. So for example, you can look at who has power within a dialogue by saying to yourself, okay, who has a say? Who is interrupting? Who is being interrupted? Who is getting their message out? Is there someone who keeps starting to chime in, but then has to start being quiet because someone chimed in over them or at the same time as them? You can recognize these things. I mean, women, we experience it all the time. Uh, you know, we're having now open discussions about how often we get interrupted, especially in the workplace, when we start talking. I've experienced it. I don't know one woman who hasn't experienced this. So now we're beginning to recognize those power dynamics and say, okay, we've had traditionally less power in conversations all over the place, but now we are saying we don't want to be interrupted. We want to be able to talk. doesn't mean we want to interrupt someone else. It just means we don't want to be interrupted every time we have an idea. And I know I've had to work on this for my entire life. I need to be aware of when I am interrupting. So one good way to look at it is you are a vehicle of consciousness. Joseph Campbell referred to us as that a lot, and I think that's a good useful way to look at yourself and understanding maybe when you're not hitting the gas, not turning in the right directions, not using the brake well enough. I think everybody learns how to communicate their power, their sense of control differently. And it's based in culture, based in how you were raised to use your influence or your power or your control. 
And and that's key, I think, understanding other people. And I and- think so too. So <laughs> I just wanted to know what it would be like to interrupt somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and it's key. Obviously, I'm not offended by that. I'm I'm a person that understands sometimes interrupting is important. We have to do it to keep things going in the corrective direction. But that's my culture. Now, some people get upset with that. There's the cooperative principles, those politeness theories that are embedded in our ways of using power and control. And we talked about cooperative principles a bit in season one, but in case you haven't listened to that particular episode yet, the cooperative principle essentially dictates how we talk to each other. Not necessarily dictates, but it is principles we abide by within conversation without consciously knowing we abide by them. For example, in order to have a productive conversation, we know not to lie. We know to say enough so that the other person gets our intended message, but not so much that it muddies the message. We we have all these things that we do within conversation to ensure that it's productive, but we're not consciously doing it. And so that's really important when talking about power dynamics within conversations because if we're talking about power, we understand that we're giving up a little bit of our say in any given discussion if we give someone else power. But what that does is it violates one of those principles, which is what I just said, say enough to be informative, right? We're not saying enough to be informative if we're giving up our say in the conversation. We are saying you have the say, I'm going to let you be the most informative voice in this room. So what we need to do in order to have an actual discussion is to say, you have your say, I have my say. It's a give and take. And then what you can do is recognize where the give happens, where the take happens, and where you can adjust both. And we've found this really helpful, especially the concept of leaning into correctivity. It's okay to incorrect or to correct incorrectivity if you're doing it understandably with politeness in mind. Um, what we saw over the last few years is a lot of incorrectivity not being interrupted. Therefore, a lot of spin was happening and causing us to spin out. Obviously, now we're recovering from that, but that is how they kept the narrative going in their favor, those that were being incorrective. And now we finally said, let's get that mic back. Let's get the ball back and protect it so that we can be healthy. Because incorrectivity is not good for anybody, including the incorrector. So that's why we have to kind of get out in front, but do it delicately. It's, it's riding the waves of incorrectivity into a corrective current. And I think traditionally... If we're speaking about women, because that's kind of the mindset I have in my mind right now, we're recording this during Women's History Month. So that's kind of the frame that's most readily at hand for me right now. But I think traditionally women have a lot of times not spoken up about them feeling interrupted, them feeling talked over, them feeling a little powerless in dialogues, discussions, conversations, because they don't want to make waves. But waves don't have to be bad. We go surfing all the time. So we can ride the waves and it can surge a little bit of adrenaline for you. It can feel like a little bit of a thrill-seeking experience. But at the same time, if there were no waves, the waters would remain the same. 
and there would be no way for us to actually make progress. There would be no changing of the tide. So what we need to do is allow for waves, but at the same time say it doesn't have to be a tsunami. And that's where the give and take comes in. Here's my opinion. Here's my point of view. Here's my say. But let me hear yours too. Let's see if and where they overlap. Love that. I think, think about how we use phrases like, what's the bedrock of something or keep it grounded. Um, Don't lose your mind. So one technique that I've often used with clients in the past and we use as a couple is if you're going to throw stones or throw rocks, throw it out in front of both of you create a new river, new kind of riverbed, so to speak, in your mind. As you're talking, each word, each phrase, each wave can create a groove, create an erosion in the conversation that then allows things to unlock and you can move, as opposed to, we talk about staying stuck or staying stagnant. That's not helpful for anybody because then you're just circling the problem and not evolving it to where it needs to go. How's that going? You don't want to flood yourself, right? But you want to create a new current, a new stream of consciousness. So we've already touched on how to recognize power by saying who is interrupting, who is being interrupted, who's having their say, who's getting their message out kind of a thing. You can recognize who's bulldozing a conversation at any given time But now I think we have to touch on how to gain some power back. And I think that's a more, not difficult, but a little bit more of a delicate dance because a lot of times for those who have been historically powered over, it can feel like we are bulldozing and it can easily turn into this kind of one-upping competition where the other person comes back because they're used to having the power and then so you one-up them and then they one up you. It's important to say, okay, here's my lane and I'm going to ride in this lane. There's no need for you to one up me. I'm not going to one up you. I'm just looking to be on the same level as you. And I think tactics to do that are not interrupting. You don't necessarily need to interrupt, but if you're interrupted, pull a VP Harris and say, I'm speaking. You know, it, it resonated with people but it did not make those unrideable waves that I think a lot of people are afraid to make. It, it sends the message without being aggressive about it. So things like, I'm speaking, you don't need to interrupt back, you just need to state where you're at kind of a thing. Went to a cool talk um, a little while ago. Basically, the woman was studying anthropology in chimpanzee groups, and she was noticing a pattern with... The females that were all having fun, they were laughing, hanging out with their kids, and then just one male showed up, and the power shifted. The group dynamic shifted. The females were different there. Obviously, that's an indicator of kind of a, a norm in that system, but that was then obviously controlled and understood across different systems of groups. Same pattern showed up. There is this built into the physiology of groups. And now that we're transcending norms like that consciously, we have to understand a lot of people aren't able to keep up with this. So we have to invite them into the corrective stream, into the understanding of, dude, you got to stop interrupting. You have to allow these women to speak or you have to allow these people to speak so that they can be heard. 
And one technique that really works, um, when I went to therapy, my therapist gave me this technique. I've used it in conversations with many people and it does work, is the broken record technique where you calmly say what you want to say until it's absorbed. So, for example, if I'm speaking and someone talks over me, I can just go, I'm still talking. Here's what I want to say. And then they interrupt again. I'm still talking. Here's what I want to say. Until they get the message that you're still talking. The tense is present, not I have talked now. Thank you. You may enter the conversation. Hearing the message over and over in the same way allows it to get absorbed better than trying to reframe it and reframe it and reframe it because that can kind of confuse things. So using the broken record technique of here's what I'm saying, here's what I'm saying, here's what I'm saying, it really works to help absorb the message quicker and more effectively and efficiently. And that's really great for adjusting the power saying, here's what I'm saying, here's my say in the conversation, here's my say in the conversation. It, yeah, it works so well, and it gives it rhythm again, helps you keep your footing, um, reduces blowback. You're going to get it from some people, especially people that are used to making sure they have that power and control. But it's it's it doesn't get on top of the wave. It goes with it, and then it lets it even out, smoothen out, and the other person can join you. If they're not interested, they won't. That's fine. And one thing that the broken record technique does is it leaves room for you to get your message across without accidentally being uh, lightly verbally abusive. So when you get frustrated, instead of being if saying something like, shut up, you know, because you're mad or frustrated, it allows you to say, I'm talking, I'm still talking, I'm still talking. And it gives you kind of a safe zone within your phraseology to rely on to say, here's where I'm at, here's where I'm at, and you don't have to think about it, and you don't have to play into that frustration. Because what happens when you play into the frustration is you say something like, oh my God, shut up. And then they'll come back at you a little bit harder and say, no, I'm not going to shut up. Don't tell me to shut up. And then it causes an argument about saying shut up rather than I did. I just didn't want to be talked over. So you you muddy the message when you feed into it. So the broken record technique absolutely allows you to have something to rely on to say, here's my message. Here's my message without having to play into that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's physics. It's also metaphysical. You have to be mindful of the things that are happening in and around you in that particular conversation and look at how much our collective consciousness is harnessing our metaphysics right now. We knew something was off for a long time. We are now creating synchronicity, creating momentum in the way we handle that exact scenario that's always happened in our societies. And when we're talking about power dynamics and allowing for the the give and take of it all, it's important to remember to see where ideas and messages overlap because then you can build off of that overlap. Um, and you may be having an uncomfortable conversation with someone who really wants all the power in the conversation. And they may be saying pretty terrible things or terrible sounding things about how they're overtly racist in some ways or how they don't treat women well or animals well or whatever the case may be. And you can still try to get to the core of why they have these belief systems or 
why they're acting out in this way. And you can say, oh, okay, I can acknowledge where it came from. I don't agree with how it played itself out, but I can acknowledge the experience that played into that. Let me help you kind of redirect that energy and look at it a different way. So everybody kind of just wants acknowledgement. They want their experiences to be acknowledged. It doesn't mean allowing someone to have their say in a conversation, allowing someone to be seen in a conversation does not have to mean that you're saying it's okay what they're saying or doing if it's harmful to others. It just means we can help them redirect energy or maybe they can help us redirect our energy if we're doing something that we don't know is harmful to someone. Yeah, and all of this being mindful of, yeah, some people are not interested in evolving or understanding the circumstance or respecting your category of thought or being. That's that's part of what we have to go through to get to where we need to be. So what we're basically saying is, yeah, you don't put yourself in harm's way, but you use finesse. I think the finesse aspect is the key to unlocking a lot of this. So essentially the main takeaways of power is being able to recognize where power is present in a conversation and being able to have these tools that we've discussed at your disposal to have your own power in the conversation, but knowing that it's a give and take, it's a little dance. We always do dances within communications. So understanding how to acknowledge power, how to recognize the power, how to give some power, when to give some power, and how to gain power in the conversations will absolutely help us all have these uncomfortable conversations in healthier, more progressive, more effective ways. Some people just cannot dance in conversation. They need it to be a certain way. Well, that's that's fine. And they can understand oftentimes when we're using the broken record that we're going to be going this way soon, get ready. Their resistance to that is, in a lot of ways, just their internal dialogue, their internal physiology, their power and control relationship to our systems. And so because you're a system, they're a system, we have to be working as as much synchronicity as possible. You're even making me think of the other guys with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. They were having that discussion about how Will was talking about how he was in a school of tuna and they've had a taste for lion and now they've learned how to breathe on land for a period of time so they, they could keep hunting him. It's, it's breaking through using metaphors and keeping things repetitive, playful, artistic. Man, that opens things up and opens your mind. Look at your physiology when you listen to those pictures. That's a useful tool to use too. So... We thank you for catching up with us on Power and Control within Uncomfortable Conversations. So stay tuned and don't forget to go check out our patron program and get access to all of our bonus content. We had fun catching up with you today. Yeah, thanks for listening. Keep sharing that Power and Control. Keep evolving forward. We will and we look forward to talking with you soon.